This podcast of the Model Health Show is presented to you by Sean Stevenson with Rare Gym Productions. For more information, visit theshawnstevensonmodel.com. Welcome to the Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson here with my talented Gifted co-host and producer Jade Harrell. What's up, Jade? What's up, Sean? How you doing today? Modelificent. Modelificent. Yes. I like it. Thank what you. is it? It is I am magnificently model health. Representing. <laughs> Representing. <laughs> awesome. I love that. I love that. Thank you very much. Everybody, I hope you're doing modelificent as well today. And if not, and they will be. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being a part of this movement in the model health team. And we've got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. Oh, yeah. I'm pumped yes. about this guest. We're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart, which is training. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about breaking through paradigms. We're going to talk about being harder to kill. Okay. All right. Harder to kill sounds like a James Bond movie, <laughs> right? 007 or maybe one of those old Steven Seagal movies. You ah, remember him? Yes. With the That's Aikido, a good one. Hard to kill. Yeah. You know? I yeah. With the ponytail and the Seagal. running. Do you remember how he used to run? He had the straight yeah, up. Yeah. The arms didn't move. Right. Right. So he ran like a raptor. <laughs> but he made his money. He did a good job. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Again, got a fantastic show lined up for you today. Great mm-hmm. guests. But first, let's give a huge shout out to our show sponsor, Onnit.com. Head over to onnit.com forward slash model, and you're going to get 10% off all of your health and human performance supplements. Huge fans of the Shroom Tech Sport, Hands down. Shroom Tech Immune. Mm-hmm. I use this stuff pretty frequently. We open up those little capsules of Shroom Tech Immune, put it into my kids' smoothies, mm-hmm. get that chocolate in there. Oh, you open there. them up? Of course. You're just throwing capsules in there? Well, I've got a like, Vitamix. Go ahead, here's some cellulose. Right. The, you're not going to know anyways with the Vitamix. It can blend up a shoe, there really. Oh, yeah. You a know, shoe. but. <laughs> but the bottom line is I really am mm-hmm. very adamant about giving this stuff to my family and as well as myself, you know, especially pre-workout. I'm using the Shroom Tech Sport, which yes. is based on cordyceps mushroom, which has upwards of 5,000 years of documented history. Clinically proven, though, is really interesting how our science today has just been proving mm-hmm. what our ancestors have Already told us in the know. first place. Like, yep. fool, this is good for this, right. <laughs> you know, and it's just been used for thousands of years to do a certain thing. But our science today is just really affirming mm-hmm. that which for those is wonderful that needed you know I a little it. more hardcore right you for know, guys I, like you I'm I was very like, that sounds good that feels right <laughs> <laughs> i was convinced yeah. my man brain needs to know why <laughs> right. before right. i do mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. really looking at the research and showing that clinically proven to increase the oxygenation of your cells right so also proven to increase your insulin sensitivity so being more insulin sensitive can help to ward off being insulin resistant which is on the opposite end of the spectrum which is not a good place to be. We're right. talking about the classic sign of insulin resistance is carrying around extra belly fat. Mm. You know, even if you're thinner, you can mm-hmm. still have that fat skinny thing going on. You know, it's just like, what is going on? Right. Probably a, a little bit insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. And that's basically a growth of omentum fat, right? Or this kind of visceral fat. So like organ fat making you puffy. Get right, so, in my belly. Get in my belly. <laughs> so... This can help with that as well. And just, I go on and on and on. Love those two products. Mm -hmm. Love the Hemp Force Protein. Oh, yeah. They've got some amazing stuff. Amazing people. Great exercise gear as well. Mm -hmm. Head over, check them out. Onnit.com forward slash model. Yes. 10% off. Now let's get into the iTunes review of the week. Well, this is a very nice one. It says, uh, awesomational. This Mm. is from... F-W-H-D-R-J-D-J-D. Lots of... (laughs) Good luck pronouncing that one, Jade, huh? Five stars, though. My title is not as good as Jade's words, for sure. It's not too bad. It's pretty good. It was good. But I wanted you both to know that I think your show is awesome and totally inspirational. My husband turned me on to your show a few months back. We love comparing notes after each show. The podcast where you talked about incorporating superfoods into your lifestyle was right up my alley. I printed your superfoods menu, printed it out, and I couldn't wait to try some of your recipes. We have three children, and we are trying to show them that healthy can be delicious, too. I also love the podcast where you talked about different ways to get fitness into your daily lifestyle with kids. Now, my kids and I go to our playground and work out. So many great ideas. I want to personally thank you. Mm. Your show is a true inspiration to me and my family. Love that. Yeah. Man, that is what it's all about. Hearing this hearing, and taking yeah. action. I love that. We're getting a lot you. of good feedback about family yeah, working out now. I know, thank you, right? Sean. Yeah. And thank you guys for taking us with you. Mm-hmm. It's truly an honor and a privilege to be able to be a part of your life. And I truly do appreciate it. So, mm-hmm. all right, everybody, let's go ahead and get into our topic of the day and our special guest. 
Our guest today is Steph Godro, and Steph's mission is to spread the word about how to make simple, tasty recipes to help people in their quest to just eat real food. She wrote the bestseller, The Paleo Athlete, A Beginner's Guide to Real Food for Performance in 2014, and her award-winning book, The Performance Paleo Cookbook, Recipes for Eating Better, Getting Stronger, and Gaining the Competitive Edge came out this year. Steph's recently taken to the airwaves with her chart-topping podcast, Harder to Kill Radio, (laughs) where she interviews experts in fitness, nutrition, and mindset about how to build unbreakable humans, including yours truly. And in addition, Steph's an international speaker on the subjects of nutrition and strength training. Steph's been recognized in publications such as Outside Magazine, Triathlete, and Self, and has appeared on ESPN Radio, and her blog was named by Greatest as one of its 60 must-read health, fitness, and happiness blogs of 2015. She lives in San Diego with the two loves of her life, her Scottish husband, Z, and her (laughs) cat, Ellie. When she's not lifting heavy stuff, you can find her tending to her beehive, standing on her dining room table to get the perfect food photo shot, and reading nerdy science books. (laughs) I'd like to welcome to the Model Health Show, Steph Godreau. How are you doing today, Steph? I am doing wonderfully. <laughs> awesome. So glad to have you here. So glad to see you. I love talking to you. And One be of my careful fave, on that You're table. making it to my, to my fave people list. Yeah. Thanks. I'd love to just do my thing. No rules, right? You just make it all up as you go and you do your thing. That is, pr- I love it. Flexitarian. <laughs> She's a flexitarian. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Steph, for everybody who might not know about you yet, and they're of course they're going to get to know a lot about you and how awesome you are. Can you share a little bit about what got you interested in health and fitness, especially food? What's your superhero origin story? Oh, wow. So, gosh, taking it back, let's say way back, when I was a kid and growing up, I was really just fascinated by the natural world, fascinated by nature, fascinated by science. I had a little telescope. I would look at the stars. I mean, you name it, science-wise, I was interested. So that kind of kicked it all off. But if you fast forward a bit, my first career was to teach high school kids all about science. So I was Mm -hmm. a high school teacher for 12 years, chemistry and biology. And um, I just really loved the idea of getting to speak to kids about science and try to get them as interested in it as I was. So that was really my first career and I did that for 12 years. But toward the end of my time teaching, I kind of figured that there was something else that was calling me. And teaching is at the core of what I do, but I wasn't happy with the bureaucracy and the red tape that surrounds public school education. And it was hard after a while to be excited and motivated about all that stuff. So I decided um, that I would somehow take my blog that I had for fun, which was Stupid Easy Paleo that I started four years ago, and I was going to make something out of it. Somehow, some way, I would make this my job. Uh I would do this. And it was a a long process (laughs) and one that was definitely full of insecurities and fears, but I was able to make it work. And so in 2013, I left the classroom And I took all of the the things that friends and family and then eventually strangers were contacting me about, like, I want to eat healthier, but I'm not sure how to do it. Or all these recipes are really hard. I've never cooked. So how can I make food that's better for me, but take away the fear factor in all of it? And so I I listened to people about what they were looking for. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to do Stupid Easy Paleo is going to be what I do. And So I left the classroom and gave myself a year to figure it out. And I said, well, if I can't figure it out, I can't figure it out. But here we are two years later and um, we're still surviving and I would say thriving actually. So it's been, it's been a crazy evolution, but I've always been an athlete. I've always been into training. I've always loved food. I've always been interested in science. I studied biology, human physiology in college. So What I do today, I think, is really the intersection of all of these different things that I've been so passionate about in my own personal life and in my professional life. So it's a joy every day to get to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I just want to commend and acknowledge you for putting in those hours. Like you just said, it's a lot of political rhetoric, you know, and working in the school system. But this is where we really need the most assistance because Mm -hmm. we're literally teaching and training 
our future generations on how all this stuff works and especially with yeah. subjects like biology and how important that is mm-hmm. but I remember in biology like I couldn't stand it right now I'm like deeply infatuated mm-hmm. with it not just in love I'm infatuated with it I adore <laughs> it but it was the yeah. way that I was taught you know is it, it didn't really apply to me you know and so I just want to acknowledge you for that and then for somebody to kind of have that background and then to make the leap into mm. being a realpreneur, you know, and kind of creating this platform and sharing your message. Just want to give you huge props for doing sure. that. And especially in the school, Thanks. our children, in a way, are held hostage there. And so they're stuck with whatever the teachers and administrators have to offer them to learn. And unless it comes from a heart like that, yeah. we don't necessarily know for sure what they get. But then when they go into the lunchroom, they're also stuck with that. And then when they go to the to PE or gym or recess, they're stuck with that, too. So yeah. it's very huge. But and the thank world you is for changing. It's changing so much because we have the ability now to choose mm-hmm. where we get our kind of accessory education or our full education, you know, sure, and it's sure. a really exciting time. And so one of the things you brought up was your experience and history of it as an athlete. So can you talk a little bit more yeah. about that? You were like on a bike on a mountain or something. <laughs> talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so kind of growing up, my sister and I did all sorts of youth sports and team sports, and we were involved in dance classes, which don't ask me to dance, although I can still tap a little bit here and there. But my mom got to a point where she looked at my sister and I and said, okay, you've got to choose. Are you going to do dance or are you going to do soccer? And my sister said, all right, I'm going to do dance. And then she continued on and became a a really talented cheerleader and, and stuff in high school. I chose soccer and continued on that path. So that really set me on the path that I'm on right now. And I've done everything. I mean, I don't consider myself to be extremely talented or naturally gifted at any one thing. But the thing that I do have is wanting to work hard. And I think that's that's an interesting thing because some people say, oh, you're just talented or you're gifted at that thing. And it's like, no, if we work hard, we put in the practice, you can get good at anything. So I did sports growing up um, all throughout high school. And then, of course, went to college and I wasn't good enough to make any kind of team because I was just a, kind of an average athlete, although I loved it. And so I didn't do anything. And didn't exercise for probably a couple of years. And one day I woke up and this is, I think, freshman year of college. I looked at myself and I thought, I need to do something about this. And so I went down and rode my bike down the hill to the local gym and signed up and worked with the trainer. And I got my first taste of kind of what strength training was all about. Because growing up in high school, I mean, we did like a weight training class, Mm. but it wasn't a part of what we did really as our training. So I had some exposure to weight training and then I found mountain biking and did that for almost 10 years and did a lot of really cool events and did a lot of racing. And I mean, I've seen places from a bike that would just blow your mind. I mean, it was a fantastic part of my sports background and what I love to do as an athlete. But as you know, things change and evolve, I decided I needed a break. I was getting a little bit burnt out on the endurance side of things. I was doing lots of really long rides, really long races, 24-hour races, 12-hour races where I'd go out and ride by myself. And it was fun, but I was looking for something different, and I wanted to mix it up. So a friend of mine five years ago challenged me to do a CrossFit workout. And I was like, all right, what is this? This is, is going to be boring or it's just going to be short and whatever. I'm used to going out and riding for like 12 hours. Look at how badass I am. But I really liked it. And so I I got into CrossFit as a way to improve my riding and to improve my racing. So I did both of those kind of coexisting for a while and then eventually decided to step away from mountain biking and uh, develop myself to training for CrossFit and went and did a bunch of competitions there. And now I do weightlifting. So again, I've things have changed and I keep evolving. But being an athlete has always been an important part of my um, my identity and is a culture that I strongly identify with. And yeah. again, it's really fun because I get to go in the gym and now I'm a coach as well. So I get to talk to people about getting stronger, I get to talk to them about nutrition and, and why that stuff matters. And so I, I get another venue to talk about what I really love. Right, right. And speaking of evolution, can you talk a little bit about, because I know that cycling, mountain biking, we had a awesome guy who's actually an Olympic cyclist uh, back in the day, uh, Dr. Jeff Spencer, 
on the show a while back. And uh, this is back, I think he was like in the 70s or something <laughs> when he was tearing it up. But he's coached, I mean, countless Olympic athletes since then. But I'm curious because there's a certain appearance. There's a certain build that leads itself towards certain sports. So can you yep. talk a little bit about your experience and, and kind of like how you saw yourself through that process? Because I know that especially going from, you know, I guess being a couch potato for a little bit of time to hopping on a mountain mm-hmm. bike, there must have yeah. been some stuff going on there internally, an internal dialogue. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's really interesting. So if you watch the Tour de France or you watch road cycling, especially, or even people who are really great at mountain biking, you're right. It's like a, it's like a jockey or it's like somebody who's really tall, who's really suited to rowing because they have really long levers, you know? So you think about those, those body, people are kind of drawn to that stuff because they have a body type that makes it easier to do that thing. But it was interesting because I've never been a skinny, I was never a skinny kid. I was never a skinny girl. And being athletic, I had an athletic body type. But when I got into mountain biking, especially, it became clear to me that I wasn't small enough. I wasn't skinny enough. I wasn't thin enough to be competitive with the people who were really super good. Because when it came to, you know, you have to think power to weight ratio. That's a big thing in cycling. Can you push yourself up a hill, you know, and you're fighting against gravity and moving your own body mass. So the lighter you are, but the more force you can output, the faster you should be. And very recently, I was looking back at some photos of myself because I'm building a presentation for our conference next month in New Zealand. But I looked back at this picture of myself. It was when I was really into doing a lot of endurance riding. And at the time, I was like, man, not fat, but I am big. Like, I'm just big. I'm bigger than everybody else. So you were saying that in your head back then. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, I'd like get up in the morning and weigh myself and do a pinch test on my inner thighs and go, still not touching, you know, those Mm. sorts of things. And I look back at those photos I found and I thought, my legs are like half the size that they are now. And, uh, it was crazy to me that I had such a, uh, almost a dysmorphia about how I looked. Yeah. And, um, but compared to the people that I was spending a lot of time with, that I was racing with, I was in that environment, I always felt like there was something about my body that wasn't right. It wasn't suited to doing those sorts of things. Like I was always trying to get smaller. I was always trying to lose weight. And the interesting thing is now, I think compared to back then, I'm at least 20 pounds heavier than I was then but I'm way fitter, a lot stronger, and I'm not a mountain biker anymore. So yeah. going in the gym and moving some barbells and slamming weights and doing that sort of stuff, I feel great, but I don't obsess about how I look anymore. I'm more concerned with what am I able to do with my body. Right. So right. I've kind of found that perfect blend of, you know, I'm able to, I was just, I've been doing a hypertrophy cycle my coach put me on, and I was like, you realize I've gained a, like a kilo in the last two weeks. He's like, yes, it's working. (laughs) I just happen to have a body type that puts on muscle mass pretty easily. But now I've kind of found that perfect intersection of what I'm suited to physically and and what I really like to do. So I don't fight it anymore. I love that. You just, oh, you just snuck it in there. I don't fight it anymore. And I love that to hear you speak of yourself so highly. And this reminds me of uh, Ronda Rousey. She she had a quote recently Mm -hmm. and just talking about, you know, I'm not, I'm not about, right? Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag. So, but I'm not about trying to be a millionaire's wife or something and be some little whatever, you know, something on the sideline. I, every, she said, I love my body because every muscle fiber, every cell has a purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it it means something, you know, and having that meaning behind your body rather than this kind of weird dysmorphia, like you just said, and comparing ourselves. And I I love the quote or, or the saying that, when you compare yourself, you silence you your silence creator, God, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. when you compare yourself because you're a unique phenomenon, you know, that's never been before, can never be duplicated. You know, everybody is unique. And when we start comparing ourselves, this really starts to create a lot of the trouble. But what can we do? You know, right. we're in a society that's just like so ingrained us with media and ideas about how we're supposed to be that it's very, very difficult to move outside of that paradigm. And this is one of the reasons that I, I think you're so amazing is because you've done that and you've become somewhat of an icon for, you know, this whole like 
strong as the new skinny thing, mm-hmm. you know, like you're one of those people who really helped to make that a reality, you know, and <laughs> she's really popping on Instagram. So you got to check out on Instagram. We'll put that all in the show notes as well. But Quadzilla, right? So they're, they're yeah, calling her yeah, Quadzilla. Quadzilla. Hashtag Quadzilla. Rock that. I'm just hashtagging. I'm doing the hashtag know, with my right? fingers too. I'm, I'm saying. It right? was a skit with uh, Jimmy Fallon. I think Hilarious. it was like um, somebody. I was, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was like, hashtag bless, hashtag 2015. <laughs> hashtag got my headphones on, hashtag. Yeah, let's go to the super gym. Super cute. So I recognize the internal dialogue that you referred to back when you used to beat yourself up. It sounded almost exactly like what I did. And I went back on those pictures and I could say, oh man what I would give for those thighs today (laughs) but now that you've come to terms with who you are and where you are and loving the who you are how does that dialogue sound because some of us may not be so familiar with those new voices can you share a little bit of what that internal voice sounds like now yeah so I've shifted the focus away from what I look like to what I can actually accomplish with this body you know, a lot of people come up to me, they'll come up to me at book signings. They're like, I'm sorry, I don't do, I don't do CrossFit. And I'm like, well, I don't actually do CrossFit anymore either. <laughs> Although like randomly I'll jump in on workouts. I tell people, find what you love to do. If you love whatever, whether you think society thinks it's great or not, like do find something you love to do. That's number one. When I look back on it, I'm like, you know what? I really loved going downhill on my bike. And I actually did downhill racing for some time. But going uphill, I hated. I hated doing it. I was like, why am I doing this? I was doing it to get the payoff of of getting the downhill part. But find something that you really love to do because that means you're going to stick to it. There's going to be some, and I'm borrowing, I just read uh, the book, The Talent Code. I'm sure, have you guys heard of that book? You love it. You know it, right? So like you have to love it enough that there's, you're going to practice deeply. There's going to be some buy-in there. And I think about what my body is capable of doing. So in our household, we like to say form follows function. Mm -hmm. Form follows function. In other words, so many people spend their time training to try to get a certain aesthetic, Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily in an aesthetic pursuit. Like they're not trying to be an NPCC competitor. They're not trying to be a bodybuilder. They're just like, I want to be an athlete who is functional at what they do, but they try to work on it from the the aspect that I'm going to trick my body or I'm going to make my body look a certain way and then be able to do all this cool stuff that I want it to do. In our house, we say it's the other way around. If you find the right training methodology, you support yourself with the right recovery, the right nutrition, your body will eventually take that form, Mm -hmm. right? And it becomes so much easier. It's like a byproduct of what you're doing and you're doing all the right stuff. So I like to think about it that way. I think about what I'm capable of doing. And it's interesting in the strength training environment, and now that I'm a coach as well, I see this a lot, but I see folks that come into the gym, they're unsure of themselves. Everything is new. They've got enough gumption there, though, that they stick to it. And then all of a sudden, you notice that they're walking taller. They're confident about not only themselves in the gym, but their confidence starts to bleed out into other areas of their life because now they're like, wow, I never thought I could do a pull-up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Now I've done a pull-up. Wow, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm, and it doesn't just apply to stuff in the gym. And I think when you when you keep that perspective of like what else can i accomplish it bleeds over into everything yeah you know so you brought up some really important points there one of those i think that was you no i know it was you one of those is your body really adapting itself and becoming what is necessary to do the objective you know and this mm-hmm. reminds me of our conversation with Katie Bowman mm-hmm. and talking about how our environment sh- literally shapes our body more so yeah. than the exercise that we do even yeah. You know, but the exercise definitely has a big part of that. And a lot of us, though, we'll set out to, we want the body thing first, you know? And so we'll look at somebody who's a particular athlete. Take Michael Phelps, for example. It's like, I want a body like that. He's a merman. He's like literally, <laughs> he's a merman, right? And he's, yeah. certain builds will lean themselves towards certain activities automatically. That doesn't mean you're going to get that build. Your body's going to create what is accessible, you know, within your genetic blueprint, which there's a lot there. But also, you know, it's going to be a unique expression of you, you know, but your body's going to be able to do the job. And what is really behind the whole thing is having the passion for the sport or the activity, not for achieving that body goal. 
if it's a body goal, there's far better ways of doing it than looking at some mm-hmm. athlete in some different domain, you know, whether it's swimming, whether it's running, whatever the case may be. That can give you a little glimpse into what's possible, but understand there are certain bodies that lead themselves towards certain activities. And this reminds me of that image of all the different Olympic athletes. Yeah, I love and that. And it showed yeah. all the way from like the mm-hmm. gymnast who's like four foot nine to mm-hmm. like the high jumper who's like six two. And right. th- we're talking about women, yeah. you know, and just mm-hmm. all the different weights and builds and sizes and shapes and mm-hmm. how amazing and what a great variance we all have, you know, and to celebrate that yeah. is what I really felt. They did it for men too. And so it's yeah. great to see that for those images. But what I'm kind of hearing then, should we choose the exercises that we embark upon based upon our body types as well then? If we're going to find the groove and maybe we haven't, adapted an exercise in particular in an area, should we consider our body type as we begin to choose an exercise for us? Well, Anyone? you know, <laughs> no, no, definitely want to pass the ball to you first. Okay. Cool. <laughs> oh, did I steal your, steal your no, response? No, not, not at all. Um, this was for you. I, I was looking at you. <laughs> what do you have to say? So, Steph? It, it, you know, it's not going to make it impossible that you're able to succeed in that sport if you have, like, let's say you're four foot nine and you want to become a high jumper. It's not going to be impossible that you'll find some success, but there may be limitations to what you're able to do. You know, and I think ultimately people weed themselves out of things that they are really struggling with because they're just not better suited to it. They ultimately weed themselves out because we like to do things that we're good at. Yes. Yeah, we need some kind of payoff there where we're like, you know, I might be struggling, I might be working hard, I might be working at the edge of my potential, I'm practicing a lot, but there's got to be some feedback there that's like, yes, small successes or things like that that keep you invested and, and bought in. So I don't think it's impossible and I don't think we should be so reductionist that we're like, hey, I'm really tall, I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, Z. But just know that you might have a bit more struggle in some areas. Like, for example, weightlifting. If you're really tall, like, have that deadlifting, man. You're going to be great at deadlifting if you're super tall. You might find it harder to do, say, for example, snatching because you've got to move the bar from the floor to over your head. That's just a further distance you have to travel. Now, it's not to say that there aren't amazing Olympic weightlifters who are big, tall, like they literally look like bears. If you watch the 105 plus category, you're like, these guys are like bears. They're giant. But weightlifting spans everybody from 48 kilo tiny gals to these 105 kilo of bear looking men, <laughs> man bear. You know, and so I, I think you just kind of have to understand what you're working with and you have to say, this might be a little bit harder for me, but I freaking love it and I'm going to keep doing it. And it is what it is. I might not become an elite level athlete, but I love this and don't ever take it away from me Mm -hmm. because it feeds who I am. Yeah. You just said the key word to love. Yeah. You know, find something that you're passionate about and give yourself the opportunity to try stuff and to fail forward a little bit, you know, because Mm -hmm. for somebody with my personality type, like I like to be good at stuff for sure. You know, like, (laughs) yeah, I don't want to get involved if I'm not good. And that kind of struggle period in the beginning of trying to start getting my dribble back or, you know, working on the jumper a little bit versus when I was, you know, whatever time period where I'm just knocking everything down, got the handles. And so like going back and trying to get good at something might not feel great, but is the desire there, the love, does it, do you enjoy yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, and give yourself the opportunity to do that. Try different things. That's what's so great about our world Mm -hmm. today. Like, You can sign up for anything from a CrossFit class to like ultimate Frisbee, you know, and there's Mm -hmm. so much that you can do to be more active. And the fitness comes as a result of that, because no matter what exercise regimen you're taking on to change your body, you're not going to stick with it if you can't stand it. You know, it just doesn't make any logical sense. So stop doing that to yourself. You know, find something that you love. Please stop right, doing that. Right. Find something that you love and embrace it and be mm-hmm. consistent in that. That's really what I feel to be the big secret here. And so that leads me to another point, which is something else you brought up. And I love this, mm-hmm. that you said this, the strength kind of transition that happens in life, you know, the personality that, that gains strength through weightlifting, you know, something that might seem kind of at two different ends of the spectrum, they are very intimately connected. And I've seen this working with clients over the years, you know, I initially, you know, over a decade ago, started off as a strength and conditioning coach and then kind of transitioned out to opening the nutrition practice and the, the book writing and all that stuff. But 
occasionally through that in the nutrition practice, I would have a, a client come in and maybe she's working on maybe some weight loss thing is her seeming goal, but it might be more so like she wants to start her own business that she's been thinking about doing since she was a kid. And she wants to get in a relationship with somebody that actually is deserving of her. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing all this, but it's all timid and reserved and behind the scenes. I don't think I can. It's so, it's, I can't. <laughs> no, and so no, it's just no. like, nope, we're going yeah. to the gym right now. We're going to go and pick up that barbell. You're going to learn how to deadlift today. Or you're going to learn yeah. how to do some heavy back squats. And so seeing their transformation happen as they're lifting and moving those heavy objects translate over into their life, you know, where they are like a physical presence, you know, like they stand taller, they feel capable is the word that I really see kind of happen Mm -hmm. in their lives. They become more capable mentally and physically, and they really feel that they can handle whatever it is that that they're presented with. And has that kind of been your experience as well? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And not only for myself, but in the people that I work with either online. So right now I have an online program and I've got, it's mostly women, but there are some guys, but I've got all these folks who are doing strength training and just to even hear their little victories, they're like, wow, I used to be intimidated by going to the gym and here I am, I'm doing power cleans. Like what the heck? Who knew? I didn't even know I could do this a couple weeks ago or seeing their improvement week to week. And you know, it's funny when people say, all right, I want to look better. I want to, you know, have abs. I want to do this. I want to do that. What you have to really distill it down into and crystallize is that they really want to have more confidence. Right. Yes. So your body, you know, having a certain body, what most people want is to have a certain feeling of confidence because of the way they look. Okay. Or if you take somebody who's coming into the gym and they've never done any strength training and they just think, wow, I see this on TV or my friend has done it or I saw it on Facebook and they're like, I don't think I could ever do that. That looks like that looks pretty badass. And then you structure it in a way as a coach to give them small successes along the way and then teach them the way to do it properly. And it doesn't take long for them to actually, assuming you are, you're doing it right, it doesn't take that long to start feeling improvements and seeing the results and picking up that, you know, first milestone barbell and thinking, Oh, just like two months ago or three months ago or a month ago, I didn't even think that was possible for me. And here I am. So if I can do this, what else can I achieve? What yeah. else is possible for me? And it gives me goosebumps because it is like, it's almost like a human truth that yes. if you have some challenge for somebody, if it's a physical challenge, and for some reason, there's something about moving, you know, heavy, quote unquote, weights, heavy for whatever your capacity is. It's like something in your lizard brain just goes crazy for it. You just you're like, I want more of that. I want to feel what it feels like to be strong. I want to feel that confidence. And then that confidence is just, it's contagious. It gets all over your life. Yeah. And the <laughs> physical Strength translates over into mental strength, Mm -hmm. you know, mental and emotional strength and being mentally and emotionally fit. You know, they're coupled together. Mm -hmm. And since we're here, well, I think that since we're here on this this island, let's go ahead and talk about weightlifting. Mm -hmm. You know, let's disclose some of (laughs) what you're doing, you know, as far as the deadlifting, the snatches, the squats. Mm -hmm. What kind of numbers are you at? Just so we get a reference point of Quadzilla (laughs) being able to do her thing. And by the way, guys, side note, for those who are like super serious about this stuff, it's going to be in kilos. But give the pound (laughs) version to Steph, please. I can translate for you too. So I'm going to preface this. I'm 36 years old and I didn't start really strength training. I mean, I had some experience when I was in my early 20s when I first went to a gym and I learned like, what a bench press was and all this stuff. But then I had a period of time where I didn't do any weight training. So I've been weight training for five years and at 36 years old. So I'm no 21 year old, like I'm a master's athlete. Um, So preface that, but my all time best back squat is 132 kilos, which is about 291 pounds or so. Mm, Um, My best deadlift is 145 kilos which is over 300 and about 325 pounds. Yeah. And I'm not a great deadlifter. So I'll just put that Sounds out there. Pretty but, uh, good to us. <laughs> Where did that voice also, come from? I'm also about five foot four and I weigh about 69 kilos. So wow. that can give you some comparison there. 69 um, kilos, but lifting 145 kilos. How right. impressive. Very. How impressive. <laughs> well, continue on. Continue on, please. 
My best clean is 96 kilos, so that's about 210 pounds. Wow. My best clean. That's my best lift out of all the mm-hmm. Olympic lifting. And my best snatch is about 70 kilos, so I'm, I'm still working on that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's What's incredible. your favorite? Body weight. Oh, give me some heavy back squats all day. <laughs> all day. Like, they're, to me, they're, when you deadlift, so here's the thing. When you deadlift, competition standard is the lift isn't done until you lower the bar with control to the floor. But let's just keep this in the back of your mind. When you deadlift, you're holding the bar with your hands, but it is not in contact with your body. Like it's not literally weighing you down. Mm. All right. So you pick it up. You're like, damn, I'm strong today. And you put the bar down and you're good to go. But with a back squat, you have to have the confidence and the strength of mind to say, I'm going to make this bar sit on my body. It is pushing me down. I'm going to step back. I'm not only going to lower myself all the way ass to grass, but then I'm going to stand this thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's a little bit of a mental thing. Yes. But if, again, if you can teach people to do it right, you can program it so that they're going to see successes, they're staying strong, they're staying healthy, they're staying safe doing it. You get people to do some back squats and it's like, oh man, watch out. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely oh, yeah. parallel that <laughs> when I'm doing heavy back squats. You know, like this is a metaphysical thing aspect too yeah. about standing up, you know, and I'm like telling myself, stand up, yeah. get up, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and it's kind of, it, it translates very well because, you know, going through my history with the degenerative bone disease and this whole thing and not being able, not supposedly being able to ever do this kind of stuff. And I remember in that state, you know, for me having that pain that I was in, you know, the sciatic pain, mm-hmm. it would always occur after I stand up, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I would. After I'd get up and move around, I was cool. But just that from the sitting mm-hmm. position or laying position to standing up, I was afraid because I would get this electric shock that would go down the back of my leg mm-hmm. and literally make me jerk back like I had this like nervous twitch. So it was incredibly embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing to stand up. And I was in fear of mm-hmm. standing up. What a metaphor, you know? especially mm-hmm. for you. And so having that experience and being able to stand up and yeah. being able to say yes and being able to build these foundations physically so that I never even have that a part of my story is so empowering and everybody has that opportunity and so shout Mm. out to those people out there because this is becoming very very common now with degeneration of the disc in the back especially the L4 L5 S1 I know some people like yes that's me (laughs) like I just can't do that stuff start where you are with what you have Mm -hmm. you know this doesn't mean to go and grab a barbell (laughs) and start deadlifting you know 300 Mm -hmm. pounds this means do yeah. something if it's just walking because your body requires movement in order to heal itself. Absolutely. That's the mm-hmm. part that I was missing out on, one of the parts. Mm-hmm. And just by with my well-meaning physician saying, don't do anything, be careful, Lay back down. brace. I was wearing a back brace. Yeah. Those other yeah. muscles are now going to atrophy that I did have That's supporting right. my spine. Right. You know, So yep. started walking, then hopped on the stationary bike, started uh, doing a little jogging, pick up those weights again. And did this yep. stuff intelligently, strategically, and now, you know, same thing, deadlifting, you know, 400 pounds, wow. you know, for somebody who, <laughs> when, awesome. I first, when I first went to do the deadlift, and this was probably about two years ago, that I hadn't done since high school, I was like, I don't know, right. I, don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know, man, and so right. I put like two, I think maybe 10 pound plates on each side or something, right. and just like, okay, this feels kind of good, and I just built from there. Exactly. Yeah. You know? I want that to be something for our listeners with their spirit as well, because I see so much. You keep talking about the mind-body connection there. Mm. If you're feeling like you are immobile and can't stand up and walk tall and where you are, Sean, you said start where you are. Take the step from where you are. So if you're a little downtrodden or you're not necessarily confident enough to walk tall, then let's get to at least the stand-up point. It may feel funny. It may be even a little bit embarrassing, but let this be that encouragement to you from what I'm hearing from both of you, that this mm-hmm. can be done with those first few moments and empowered by moving something if, if all it is is yourself at first. Absolutely. <laughs> and Steph, so let's talk a little bit more about, wow, that's so beautiful. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about where you, back. where you are now as far as your strategy you know, because I know it was yeah. much different in the beginning. Same for me. Yeah. So we're just going to put that aside and understand that we started off very small, very basic. Mm-hmm. And so what does your weekly routine look like? like? Give us an overview, a bird's eye <laughs> view of like 
So are you deadlifting every day or is it once a week or what does that look like for you? Yeah, so it's really interesting. When I started out and I was doing CrossFit, I was training six days a week. And then I left my job to work for myself. And all of a sudden, you know, everything that I knew about work changed because I used to go to work. I knew exactly what I was doing. I had a bell that told me when I could eat. Like everything was just super planned out and I understood everything. And then I went to working for myself where I had to literally be the creator. I had to make this happen. And so training that many days a week for me, it was not like at that competitive level. I knew I couldn't keep doing it or I would make myself really sick. I would start to really ruin my adrenals and I would probably end up getting hurt. So I decided when I was really working for myself for the first time that I was going to focus more on strength. That was going to be my focus. I was going to walk away from the other stuff. So it was a really conscious decision on my part. In fact, I remember exactly where I was the day, the location, like when I looked at my husband and I was like, I need to do something different for myself. So now I train three to four days a week on average. I'm supposed to train four. (laughs) For the record, my coach (laughs) programs for me, but sometimes it's only three. I only get in the gym three days a week, but I don't stress it because I know that the type of training I'm doing is highly effective. And this is what I want to kind of shout out really quickly to everybody listening is you don't need to weight train six days a week. You can weight train three days a week and see enormous positive benefit from that. And have time to do all the other stuff that you love. Like one of the gals I know is like, I got to Skype with my husband. He's deployed on uh, military duty. I got to Skype with him because I didn't have to like go to the gym and do a bunch of other stuff because I'm training three days a week, but it's really working for me. So for me, I train four days a week and I don't actually do a lot of deadlifting because heavy deadlifting requires an enormous amount of recovery with your CNS. It's very, very, very taxing. And so in Olympic lifting, we still work our posterior chain, but we do it a bit differently. We do Romanian deadlifts. We do good mornings. We do other stuff that's not quite as heavy, but still challenges us to work our posterior chain. So on an average week, I'm squatting usually three times a week, back, front, sometimes overhead. I'm doing snatch and clean and jerk technique work. One of my weaknesses is my overhead strength because, man, again, I spent all my athletic life in leg dominant sports. I played Mm. soccer and then I rode mountain bikes. (laughs) So my upper body was there to kind of keep me upright (laughs) and balanced uh, and hold on to the handlebars. But my legs are super strong, upper body, not quite as strong. So I do a lot of pressing different ways, whether it's strict press or I do jerks or whatever. And that's about it. Like it's not anything that's, there's no sexy stuff in my program. And it, that's, I think, what a lot of people get sucked into. They're like, oh, this new program came out and you're doing these like really sexy looking movements and you're doing this and you're doing that. It's just basic stuff, but it's really super effective if it's programmed correctly. Yes. So, so within the, can you give me a general time span of how long your workouts yeah. are when you're in the gym? Yeah. So I get in there. I have to warm up quite a bit Mm. and mobilize and go through some dynamic movement because I'm not 20 years old anymore. And I can't just we've got some, you know, the kids come in and they uh, they just pick up a barbell and I'm like, oh, God, my arms would fall off if I tried to do that. So I do a decent amount of warm up and I do my workout and it probably takes me on average about an hour and a half. So an hour and a half, three to four days a week. Got it. And so the actual training portion without the mobility stuff, how long? Um, about an hour and 15 minutes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That sounds doable. Mm-hmm. Sounds doable. That's reasonable. To be yeah, a, I'm not spending four icon, hours in the gym every day. <laughs> right. You know, to be an icon out there. Hashtag Quadzilla. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> hashtag making it happen. All right. So yeah. this is a, a good spot to backpedal just a little bit and talk about what you mentioned it earlier. You mentioned it. You talked a little bit about it. We kind of went over it. Stupid Easy Paleo. Right. So that's your website. That's your kind of claim to fame online. Stupid, easy paleo. Why in the world did you call it stupid, easy paleo? (laughs) So the actual inspiration for that came from my friend, Jen. Jen owns a CrossFit gym in Oregon City, Oregon. And uh, Jen had one of the first 
paleo blogs that I ever saw. And we became friends and Twitter friends, I think, is how we first initially met. And anyway, I remember her saying on one of her recipes, like, wow, that was stupid easy. And when I first was looking for a a blog name, because I didn't ever, ever, ever think it was going to be a business. Never in a billion years. It was just a fun thing for me to do. And so I looked for easy paleo and that wasn't like that was already taken. (laughs) So I thought about Jen and I was like, stupid easy. That'll be it. It'll be stupid easy paleo. And I really, I just wanted to convey that cooking doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be fancy to taste good or be healthy. And my motto is kind of keep it super simple. I call it keep it super simple. So kiss. Yeah. Right. If you're a foodie and you love to like whip out the sous vide and do your thing, by all means, go for it. But most people just are like, can I make sure I have a dinner on the table that my family is not going to revolt against me about <laughs> and they're going to like it. It's going to be healthy. So I love it. yeah, so that's where Stupid Easy Paleo came from. And then I was like, oh, now I'm stuck with this. <laughs> so but it's become how people recognize me. So. Yeah. And, and it's, it's actually that's okay. now it's starting to transition I've said transition yeah. like seven times today. <laughs> You're transitioning. It's, it's transitioned, transitioned over into this podcast, which yeah. is called Harder to Kill Radio. So what's up with, Hard so we kill. got Stupid Easy Paleo, but now hard to Harder kill. to Kill. Yeah. <laughs> so what's this idea behind Harder to Kill? What does that mean? Again, Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Raptor Arms. Okay. Harder yeah. to Kill. What is Harder to Kill? So... I was giving a nutrition seminar here in San Diego, and a lot of times I'll do these at gyms, and so people think, oh, she's going to come in here and talk about being an athlete, and I'm not an athlete, and I'm not hardcore. So I talk to people about this, and I'm like, look, what do you really want to get out of, you're going to try to eat healthier, what do you really want out of this? You want to be healthy, you want to be happy, and it would be nice to be harder to kill, and people were like, yes, like, that's it, that's the thing. So initially... You know, you have things floating around in your subconscious. Like, I didn't invent this term at all. And I think it's popularized in the fitness world by Mark Ripito because his quote goes something like, strong people are harder to kill and more useful in general or Mm. something like that. So that phrase is kicking around the back of my brain. And I thought, you know, it's kind of fun. It's like like you want to be awesome. You want to be tough. You want to be functional. You want to be able to run away from something if it's chasing you. You want to be able to throw your kids in the air and catch them. You want to be able to lift up a heavy pound of dog food. Like you just want to be overall more robust, more resilient, healthier. And so that's why I started using it because people were like, yeah, like, yes, I want to do that. Like, I want that to be me. That's why I'm training. That's why I'm doing this stuff. That's why I'm eating healthier. So I started using that. And I thought, well, if I was going to make a podcast, I wanted the name to stand out. Mm -hmm. And let's call it Harder to Kill Radio and bring people on and talk about all the ways that they through what they do and what they're passionate about, how are they helping to build unbreakable humans? Love it. And so that's that's it. And it and it's stuck. <laughs> so yeah. you know what? And also so this transition, you know, this kind of translation, transition, I'll use translation <laughs> over from stupid easy paleo and kind of the food aspect yeah. being a, a big pillar. You said that food is like a gateway, mm. right? So talk a little bit about what that means. Yeah. We all have to eat, right? We all have to eat. It's something we all identify with. It's cultural. It's social. It is stuff we enjoy. We like to eat. We love to eat things that make us feel good. So it's a really easy way to try to get the first hooks into somebody because you go online, you look for recipes, you're pinning things on Pinterest. You've got lots and lots of pretty food to look at. It just draws you in. It's tangible. You can see it. It's not like I'm talking to somebody about improve your sleep. And they're like, well, I I can't really see sleep, Mm. you know, or fix your stress. Don't be so stressed out. Work on your stress management. And they're like, but I can't see it. I can't touch it. It's harder to, it's a concept, right? It certainly is a feeling and it can affect your hormones and and all this stuff. But like, you know, if you want something really tangible to suck people in, Mm -hmm. it's got to be food, in my opinion. And It's something that we have to do. We have to eat. So it's the easiest way to get people in the door to start the conversation about a healthier overall lifestyle, about wellness, about what it really means to have this well-rounded view of health. And then you start peppering in all the other stuff that matters, movement, play, stress management, sleeping better, recovery, 
you know, all the things that we all know, it's not just a singular, you know, we oftentimes think about it like a triangle. We're like, well, what's on the bottom? What's the most important thing? But it's really not just a hierarchical thing, like top down, or this is the most important, this is the least important. Everything's important. And it's like the facets of a diamond, Mm. right? And so every facet has a job and every facet is connected to every other facet. And so how do you actually start to get people to say, well, now that I've got my nutrition under control and I understand that better, maybe I'm going to branch out and start trying to improve my sleep. Maybe I'm going to join a gym or I'm going to start finding a physical activity that I love to do, whatever that might be. And so eventually you start to rope in all of these other facets of what we know is real, real health and real wellness. You know, your mindset, your outlook, your relationships, how you view things like money. I mean, all of this stuff is so connected. But if you try to hook somebody in off the street and you're like, look, I know you want to get healthy. So we're going to do this, 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 and this. And they're just like, oh, no, (laughs) panic. (laughs) And they freak out, right? And so for a lot of us, even those of us who are, we do this as our jobs, we're still a work in progress. We are constantly evolving. We are constantly learning, constantly changing, constantly adding and polishing those different facets. And it's something that we all work on. So so that's why I say food is the gateway because it's that. super tangible and you can make it look sexy and take pretty photos of it and put it on your Instagram. Yes. <laughs> and we end the point of standing up on the dining room table to make it really great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that must be key. But with get- headshots for the win. That's right. But with food being a gateway, it also then supports everything else you might add in. So that's just mm-hmm. awesome. God, I totally agree. How I- you got me. <laughs> I had me right, the just first like, bite. Eat this, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's it's a really important and powerful on ramp. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a low barrier to entry versus like doing something as far as like going into the gym. Like that's a lot. It's a lot going on. Like it's a whole different situation. Everybody eats. Like you've been doing that since day one. Unless you're like some alien who's listening, which shout out to you. Hey, uh, appreciate you. Much love to Mars. Leave a wherever. review. Right, leave us a review. <laughs> um, but the bottom line is food is something that's so approachable and it's an on-ramp. But here's the thing. Yep. Food literally changes your brain. Mm-hmm. It literally changes your consciousness. You know, and I've talked about this many times. Food isn't just food, it's information. Yep. You know, so the data that you're putting in that's getting communicated to every cell in your body is of the utmost importance. So whether it's uh, some SpaghettiOs or whether it's some gummy bears or whether it's some grass-fed steak, whether it's some bone broth, every single swig or bite of that food is programming and giving information to every cell in your body. And here's the thing, and this kind of like is an umbrella over this whole episode today, which is your genes expect certain things from you. Your genes right. expect you to lift heavy things. Yeah. Your genes expect you to eat nutritious food to move you along, to move along your genetic code. Yeah. You know, but it's not going to be able to fully express itself if you are, in fact, mm-hmm. dining on SpaghettiOs, which I have. Family can. Hey. Family can right. as a meal. <laughs> you know, but it's again, it's stepping outside of the common paradigm today and understand it's in no shape or form is this actually normal. Yeah. You know, so... Food is so important. And by the way, I love this analogy of like, we've created like straight up like spaceships, okay? (laughs) Outer space, right? On vending machine food. We've done that on vending machine food, like honey buns and Snickers bars. Just imagine what we can do if we get on the good stuff, you know? So with that said, Steph, before I ask you where people get connected with you, I've got a question for you that I like to ask my guests. And I'm interested to hear your response. What is the model that you're here to set with the way that you're living your life? Oh, gosh. How do I distill it down into something that's really easy to say? That's such a hard question. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I like to lead by example, and I think that's really important. So when you look online, there are so many people that are like, you should do this. You should do that. This is just what I say. But I think if you're going to make a real connection with people and and truly kind of inspire them to actually take on certain aspects of their health. Living that way and leading by example is really important. But I also know that overcomplicating things and the analysis paralysis that's out there is so 
people freak out. It's too much. So, you know, one day at a time, small steps, you tackle one thing, you take one action, you move yourself forward, I think is really important. And it's a really, it's something that we all can do Mm. is just, you know, you have this huge goal or you're like, I want to get healthier, but you've got to start by taking that first step. And that's even something that I do in my life. If I have something that's super scary to me, it's like you just just one step, just take the next step, take the next step. You don't think about, it's like you're trying to run for the first time and you're running down the street. If you're like, I've got to run three miles today. You say, I'm going to make it to that next sign. I'm going to make it to that next street light. And you move yourself along that way. You have small goals. Uh, You take small actions. And so I think that's really important. And it's something I do every day. So take small actions. Uh, Keep the big picture in mind for sure. Don't get so caught up in the details that you miss the big picture and what's really important. And know that with all of these things you're trying to do to improve your health is so that you can enjoy your life. You can enjoy this amazing life that you're – this better health, this better life that you're building for yourself. And so many times I see people get so sucked into the the nitty-gritty or they're training so much and they're they're just like – well, I don't have time to hang out with my friends or spend time with my kids. And I'm like, well, then why are you, what are you doing it for? You want to walk away and say, I'm able to enjoy my life now because I'm making some good changes and then go out and enjoy that time. Yes. Because that's that's something you can never buy back and you just can't uh, replace it. You can't replace that time. Love it. That was that was a really long-winded answer. No. It was wonderful. <laughs> wonderful answer. Every part was important. Yes. And Steph, uh, phenomenal information, phenomenal job, and everything that you've put together thus far. Thanks. Looking forward to see what you have coming next. So let everybody know where they can get connected with you. Anywhere on social media where you can type in Stupid Easy Paleo. You can go to stupideasypaleo.com. Harder to Kill Radio is on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, we're building out a new website soon, stephgodrow.com. All right. And guys, we'll put all that in the show notes. And if you want to check out the video from this episode, head over to themodelhealthshow.com and just click on the video tab and you'll be able to see this video. We have lots of other cool videos with some amazing past guests Mm -hmm. from Bob Proctor to Dr. Jeff Mm -hmm. Spencer, as we mentioned earlier. Um, Just so many great episodes there and you can Mm -hmm. be in the studio with us. And Steph, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate the risk that you took initially <laughs> of stepping outside of the classroom and kind of that uh, that safe, quote safe, which really isn't, right, rolling um, down a mountain. <laughs> paradigm and, and creating something new and, and giving mm-hmm. so many gifts to so many people. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. And Every- thank you for tortillas, paleo <laughs> tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you a story about that recipe? Would you mind? Bring it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, uh, first of all, it's ironic to me, and it's not, the irony is not lost on me that that is my most popular recipe is probably, like, it's not super nutritious. But the reason I developed that recipe was I was getting ready to move to Scotland to be with Z, and this was two years ago. I had a bunch of stuff in my pantry to use up before I moved. I was FaceTiming with him. It was a Sunday. I was FaceTiming with him like, I'm just making up this recipe. We'll see what happens. And I was like, oh, my God, I just made like tortillas. What the heck was that all about? And so (laughs) it was just a freak thing. I didn't measure anything. So to go back and try to replicate it. But that's the origin story of the tortilla. I love it. Oh, my gosh. I just made tortillas. (laughs) Well, on that note, guys, shout out to tortillas out there. Shout out to... (laughs) Uh, Steph for making it happen on accident and you know this really brings to the forefront of you know this paleo concept of nutrition you know and looking at it's based I love the framework because it's eliminating a lot of potentially and very frequently troublesome foods Mm -hmm. and within that we've got a lot of room to play and that's Mm -hmm. what Steph does so well and everybody thank you so much for tuning in today I hope Mm -hmm. that you got a lot of value out of this and I just want to piggyback on one of the things that Steph mentioned in her model, which is taking each step and understanding that if we do have, in fact, 10,000 steps to get to our destination, we -hmm. can't go from zero to step 9,999. You've got to take Mm -hmm. each step, one step at a time. Just keep moving forward and understand that the way is going to be presented to you as you go along. It's just important to keep moving forward, keep taking your Mm -hmm. steps. And I hope that today provided some more steps for you and some action steps even 
Uh, so definitely get connected with Steph. And thank you so much for being a part of this model health movement with us. I appreciate you so much. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And make sure for more after the show, you head over to TheSeanStevensonModel.com. That's where you can find the show notes. And if you got any questions or comments, make sure to let me know. And please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and let everybody know that our show is awesome and you're loving it. And I read all the comments, so please leave me a comment there. And take care, everybody. promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help transform your life. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening.